0: myself a promise on that deployment that when we got out of here, I was going to make a decision for myself. I was going to make a future that I love. And it had always been a path for food for me, a path of cooking, which is something I got from my mom. I didn't know what that would look like, but I knew that that's that's where I needed to go. That's the direction I wanted to go.
1: Welcome to Find Your Mission. I'm actor and activist, Melissa Fitzgerald. This podcast will bring you into the lives of United States veterans and guide you along on their journey from private citizen to service to entrepreneur. You'll learn from these men and women how they handled the trials and tribulations of service and how they applied those same lessons to new ventures when they left the military and tried their hands at business. I hope these journeys inspire you to push yourself further, believe in your goals, and maybe find your own mission.
2: Thank you to our friends at WeWork, Veterans in Residence, a WeWork and Bunker Labs partnership. Veterans in Residence is a highly selective six-month startup incubator and leadership program. It provides veteran and military family member entrepreneurs the community business support and workspace to help launch and grow their businesses. Find your tribe. Create your life's work. Learn more at we.co/slash veterans, that is WE.co slash veterans, or click on the link in the show notes. Also, thank you to our friends at Dell Small Business.
1: The empty storefront was screaming her name, tempting her with the romantic idea of starting the cafe she'd always dreamed of opening. How hard could it be, she thought. I know how to cook. The margins on food are great. I'm going to kill it here. An entrepreneur at heart, Nancy had been waiting for an opportunity just like the one promised by this deserted storefront. But looking at the cost analysis, Nancy saw that the promise was as empty as the storefront itself. The facts were simple. There was no way to make the numbers work in a way that would scale. So it looked like her goal of making it in the food industry was dead on arrival. Or was it? Nancy grew up looking at the numbers and charting a path forward based on what they had told her. Which is why when she was graduating from high school and the numbers in her family's bank account told her college wasn't going to be an option, Nancy came up with a new plan. She promptly enlisted in the Army and shipped out to boot camp. Having no idea what to expect exactly, she figured that no drill instructor could be as unforgiving as her mother, who placed discipline above all else. So Nancy felt at home scrubbing the latrines and taking orders. And when the opportunity came along to apply to and attend West Point, she took advantage of it. Eventually, Nancy was deployed as an engineer to Iraq, where she was tasked with helping to build forward operating bases, aka FOBs, in new terrain for the summer surge of troops.
0: As we're planning this new base camp and these logistical lines, I didn't know what I was doing. None of us actually, absolutely none of us knew what we were doing. We were not equipped for this. But at the time you can't accept that, right? The only answer is I need to figure it out and I need to figure it out fast. And I think that is when I really learned how much grit I had and how much resilience I had because I will tell you, I failed a number of times and my teams and my teammates failed a number of times trying to work through these obstacles because nothing, nothing was met without an obstacle. Every step we took forward. So as we planned this FOB, as we try to plan these operations with the combat units in uh, 3rd Brigade, 3rd ID, it was just an effort in moving forward. No matter how many steps you take back, you always have to push forward and not even knowing what was the clear path to success.
1: All Nancy had to do was look at the facts. These soldiers were coming, and they needed the support and logistical operations necessary to succeed. So they got it done. But some obstacles are harder to overcome than others especially in your personal life. Nancy had met her husband while serving, and the couple struggled through years of separation due to multiple deployments. When they were finally back together, they looked at the facts. They couldn't survive together if they stayed in the service. Together, they decided to exit the service. And at the time... Nancy made a promise to herself that she would find a way into an industry she had always seen herself in, food. Back in the day, Nancy was El Paso's finest kindergarten age entrepreneur. She'd use her milk money to buy candy and then sell it for profit on the playground during recess. She also loved spending time in the kitchen, watching and cooking with her mother. Nancy desperately wanted to jump into the industry. But looking at the numbers, it was all there in black and white. The idea started as a cafe or maybe even a food truck, but it had to be
0: very limited in the capital investment. Because, you know, we're just young kids that got out of the Army, and so we don't really have that many assets yet. And as I started approaching the cash flow statements and what it would really take to build this thing financially, I realized that... That's crazy, there's no money in food businesses like what I'm preparing for. If I open up a cafe or I manage to get a food truck, it is nothing but grind and hustle and I'm trading one super intense lifestyle the military for another super intense lifestyle, food. And with no way of ever being able to um, scale it and with a super
1: high risk of failure. Nancy entered the private sector instead and learned from successful business people around her what it looked like to build and grow a company. In the back of her mind, though, she was remembering the promise she made to herself, that she would find a way to succeed in the food industry. One night, when going over all the numbers again with her husband for how to make a food business work, an idea suddenly hit them. What if this was the business? What if these numbers themselves were the answer? They had figured out what it would take to make a business work, and they would show others the way.
0: We took a step back and thought, you know, if we can't scale it and we can't see a huge amount of profitability in it, then what can we do? It then turned into an effort of reducing the obstacles. The biggest obstacle, of course, was financial. Then it hit my husband and I that if we can solve these financial problems of starting a food business for ourselves, then we can actually solve these problems for other food businesses. And maybe that's the business. And then after we started doing the numbers for that, it was perfect. It's something that can scale. The margins were amazing.
1: And now we can get behind this. Nancy Preston opened a consulting business aimed at helping food entrepreneurs scale their business, find kitchens to work in, and make the numbers work. In a nod to her start as a young entrepreneur, she named her company Milk Money Kitchens. And coming up, you'll hear directly from her how she finally found a way to live out her dream.
2: To succeed in small business, you need technology that runs efficiently. When you partner with the Dell Small Business Technology Advisor, you get advice, one-on-one partnership, and tailored productivity solutions, including computers, servers, storage, networking, plus thousands of top brand electronics, accessories, and software. It's how they help your small business make the most of every minute. To speak with an advisor today, call 877 by dell That's 877-BY-DELL. Welcome to Find Your Mission. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. And we have on the other line, Nancy, what's going on?
0: Hey, thanks, Ian. I'm so happy to be here.
2: Yeah, happy to have you. So was there something that from your military time, like that, you kind of brought with you to your next chapter in your in the business world that you felt like was you know a big advantage.
0: So, as an engineer, my role was two things when I deployed with Third Brigade, Third ID. Uh, we were going to build a new uh, FOB in a, during a time when we actually weren't supposed to be building any more FOBs. We were told that we're going to do kind of retract a little bit. And they already had giant a giant base camp, Camp Liberty Striker. And so we thought we were going, our unit was going to base there. Until about two months before our deployment, our orders changed because the summer surge was announced. We're going to send 20,000 more troops, more uh, brigades. And so we were going to push further out towards the Iranian border, which was east. And my unit was going to occupy an area of terrain that had never been occupied by allied forces. Uh, Super scary, uh, very intimidating. So I was part of the team that built the FOB out there and all the logistical support to be able to operate a combat unit out there. So it was just an effort in moving forward, no matter how many steps you take back, always have to push forward and not even knowing what was the clear path to success. I think that's what I still pull from today and really helped me even make the decision to get out of the Army was if I can do it here and now, then I can do it anytime, anywhere. And that proved to be true because I left the Army in 2009 and no one was leaving the army in 2009. No one was leaving their jobs voluntarily in 2009. And everyone advised me to not leave. I don't know if this it's just this huge mass of unearned confidence I have or this idea that fear is not going to stop me, it's not going to keep me. And that's why, that's what would keep me in the army at that time was this fear of leaving. And Thankfully, my husband was willing to also make that decision with me to get out and find new roads for both of us.
2: So flash forward to this idea that's kind of been matriculating in the back of your mind uh, to start, you know, the company now known as Smoke Money Kitchens. When did this come about?
0: When we had gotten out of the army, I went into engineer consulting for Booz Allen. And my husband went into business for himself. As I was working at Booz Allen, we're trying to figure out, you know, what this food business would be.
2: Did you kind of take it on as your mission to... Uh, to help food entrepreneurs everywhere, to make sure that they know how to do the books right, that they know how to, you know, scale and increase revenue, that they know how to, uh, you know, ultimately decrease that ever-growing bankruptcy rate and out-of-business kind of uh, rate that is kind of rampant in the food industry.
0: Yep, yep, absolutely. This it's actually the cornerstone of our consulting. And when you talked about, you know, how romantic a food business can be, kind of like war can be in the back of your mind. It is crazy the mindset that food entrepreneurs have. They will walk by a space, an empty storefront and say, hell yeah, I'm going to put a bakery there and I'm going to kill it. Having never, ever worked in a restaurant or a bakery, having no professional experience in it, um, having never run a business, this is, I've never seen anything like it outside of the military thinking that, yeah, hell yeah, we can do this impossible thing. People that have never been in the medical field don't walk by an empty building and say, you know what? I'm going to put a hospital there and I'm going to kill it. I don't know what I'm doing, but that's what I'm going to do. But people in food do yeah. it all the time. They do it exactly. all the time. It's
2: like, I've, I've eaten food. I can cook at home. <laughs>
0: That's right. And so, what we really want to do is ground their entrepreneurial vision into, we want to ground that vision uh, with a financial reality. We want to anchor their vision in a financial reality. We go through cost of goods sold, we go through all expenses. We really explain to them how their business can be profitable and how it can't be profitable and give them the reasons why. Now, they don't want to talk about, you know, uh, operations management or tax liabilities. This is not people in food. Chefs be chefing and cooks be cooking. That's what they want to be in. Uh, But we help them understand that cooking at home is much different than cooking as a business. You gotta cook like a CEO now. And that means understanding your numbers and being able to build a team and making all this work in a very complicated environment, especially New York City, which in my opinion is the highest rate of failure for food businesses.
2: In your backgrounds, being able to have those hard conversations with people, uh, or maybe, you know, pulling things from your military background that you're able to, you know, have hard hard conversations and convince people to do what's in their best interest?
1: We
0: vote against our self-interest all the time. I'm amazed by how well we can do that, uh, myself included. And that's why I really focus on the numbers. I really focus on what it costs for someone, for you to put, as the foodpreneur, to put that product in your customer's hands from front to end, how much does it cost? And then how much can you possibly make from that? When we ground it in these actual financial figures, it takes away so much of the emotion that really drives a lot of our vision setting. It takes away all that emotion so we can say, you know what, can we afford to do it this way? So one of my my food producers is a caterer, all organic, all day long. They wanna do these beautiful salads and uh, offerings. That are really great in their vision, but on a cash flow statement are really, really terrible. Now you've got to charge $30 for a salad and who's gonna buy $30 salad from you? So now these are the conversations that we can have, and they can actually be very productive once I get all the numbers down and show and have it in front of them. I think that's the only way that I can approach getting people to get centered, be motivated by their vision, but still make very smart business decisions.
2: When was the decision for you clear that you wanted to jump into the business full-time?
0: I was consulting in Abu Dhabi, my whole family was there. I learned so much. I had such a great role model with the CEO of that firm. It's based out of Colorado, but it had a, a giant headquarters in Abu Dhabi where I worked. And that CEO, my boss, was an amazing leader. And what she built there, I was always taking these these lessons because in the back of my mind, you know, this business was just growing inside of me. And I just didn't know when we'd be able to when we'd be able to launch. Uh, we actually went to Abu Dhabi to build a uh, capital for this someday business. But as I watched her and as I worked in in Abu Dhabi, it grew clearer and clearer that it was soon. And if I can set a point, it was when we started downsizing our operations in Abu Dhabi that I started thinking, maybe this is the time that maybe maybe we leave and this is a perfect opportunity to instead of, instead of continuing uh, consulting, to just do it. And I went to a, an inc.com conference and that, those four days changed my life. The first day of the conference, I introduced myself as uh, Nancy Preston, engineer consultant in Abu Dhabi. On the last day of that conference, I was introducing myself as a CEO of my own business.
2: That's great. It's kind of when you know, you know. Was that a scary moment to jump in uh, both feet in?
0: It seemed like it at the time. And uh, it seemed very scary, but so, so good that I was listening to founders like Blake McCoskey from Tom Shoes and Tony from Zappos. And it just blew my mind on where they started and how hard it was to where they were now. And at the at that point, uh, Blake had just sold half of his stake in Tom's. And so his life was looking pretty good. And Zappos was doing really great. It's always easy to make decisions like, yes, os- entrepreneurship is awesome when you hear about these great success stories. But he, listening to them on how they started really inspired me and said, you know what, it's never a good time to start. You're never you're never sure that it's going to work out. And but you have to start somewhere. And that philosophy is, is very known and proud and true in the military, that you just gotta start somewhere. You have to execute something and then figure it out as you go. And so that weekends when I decided that we're just gonna figure this out. And I went back to Abu Dhabi, I put in my 30 day notice for resignation and we started making plans on moving back to the United States.
2: Have there been any moments where you wanted to hang it up, hang up the, uh, the apron and, uh, and the chef knives and, uh, and call it a day?
0: I have a couple of answers for that. So when I was starting, I got a lot of no's. No one's giving funding to a new entrepreneur. No one's giving funding to someone who is starting a venture in a new industry, something that they're not currently in and we had capital to leverage but we still needed so much more. So uh, the no's were really frustrating and disappointing, but I didn't realize that when you live in the no, everything is fine. Nothing nothing changes. It wasn't until I started getting yeses that I was like we're screwed and we actually had to start executing on things. That's when it started getting really hard is once I started getting yeses then things started getting a lot harder. And that's when my challenges started getting, my internal struggles started getting a little louder on, you know, when are we gonna get there? What do I need to make this particular thing happen? Um, And finding those paths to success, uh, those got very, very challenging because everything is on an expiration. Once a yes comes, we've got to be able to execute something to get to that next point or else the opportunity is missed. And so that really revolves around funding. We finally got fully funded through an SBA loan, which no one thought we would get. That was back in May of 2018. And so now we're fully funded and now we have to go. But now we have to actually put up a whole bunch of cash. So that was when we started really thinking, okay. Now we have yeses. Now we can really move forward. And there's only one way forward. This is my new normal now. (laughs) And so I think between now and then, it's got very, very hard. I will not lie about that. I will always be transparent how hard it is to start a venture, especially in New York City, especially in food. And There has been times when if I wasn't in the position that I am in, where I burned my ships, there's no going back, I may have made a different decision. It's been very hard sometimes to keep moving forward. Uh, But this is it. Accepting that I have no other option than to succeed is actually very freeing at this point. (laughs) So we just move forward. There's only two ways off this ride. It's a successful exit and bankruptcy. So I've accepted this.
2: I'm curious, when did you uh, find out about the Veterans and Residence program?
0: One of the best pieces of, of advice I got when I came to New York City was I have to start networking like a beast, a pure beast. I had no connections in New York City. I had no customer base. I didn't even have any friends yet in New York City. And everyone said, you just have to network. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how much money you, are, you have. You need people behind you. And so, um, I just went to every networking event I could go to. And every time I met someone that was in the military at one of these networking events, they always mentioned bunker labs. And so that's when I started looking into this program. And I thought what, once I did, and I, once I discovered bunker labs, I was super motivated to try to get in and, uh, I applied and I didn't hear anything back because the window was closed. But as soon as the VIR program reopened, they gave me a call and I was in. Well, after an interview process and some vetting, (laughs) I was in. And it has paid off so much. I, I can't even describe it. It has been probably one of the most pivotal organizations I've been associated with. My... My incubation with Bunker Labs and the VR program has launched me further than I thought I'd be.
2: What is it like, you know, in the WeWorks being around a bunch of other, you know, veteran entrepreneurs? You know, I'd imagine, especially since you consult, you know, entrepreneurs for a living, I'm sure there's a ton of stuff that both you're able to share and then you're also able to learn from your peers.
0: Being around them was awesome because when I was working at home, in my home office, it's very difficult to keep my mind straight on every task I need to do and not get distracted by being a mom and having to clean the laundry and do dishes. So being very isolated was a, is a huge downside of being an entrepreneur. It's actually very similar to being a leader in the army, is you're very isolated, even through really, well, especially during really hard times, because I can't share with the people that are closest with me that on my, in my platoon and in my company, how scared I am or how difficult this is or how, you know, it's really unlikely that this is going to be successful, but we still got to do it. Um, I got to keep these things in myself. And so that happens a lot on this path of launching this venture is I've got to be honest with people, but inside my venture, I have to be super motivating and hyper optimistic. And I can't always color the entire picture with all my emotions. I can do that with the VIR. I can tell them how hard something is and get help. What did you do in this situation? I don't know who to talk to if there is a way forward on this. And at the very least they understand. So at least you don't feel crazy because sometimes you do. Sometimes I felt dumb. Sometimes I felt desperate that I haven't figured this out. And then listening to how hard it's been for other people And understanding, oh, this is just normal state. This is where I'm supposed to be. (laughs) And then accepting and then moving forward has been a huge help. And so the network itself, just being able to have my own therapy sessions has been helpful, but having people that have gone further than me that have blazed a trail and then figuring out how to get there too. So I get great advice from them. It's not just a kinship. It is a really great source of professional advice.
2: What would be the best piece of advice or the business lesson that you've learned uh, over the past couple of years? And it could be any of the different things. I know there's many, but um, if you had, uh, you know, some of our listeners sitting there right, right there next to you, what would you, what would you tell them?
0: My first answer to, to the best advice I can give is one, know your numbers. You have to know how far you can go, what you have currently in the bank and what, where that will take you. Cash flow is king in a startup. You have to have enough money and enough cash in the future to keep moving this thing forward. You must know your numbers. The second thing is there's a lot of dry periods. There I'm going through one right now. It's been super intense for about 3 weeks now. Hyper intense where I'm going up and down on thinking can I really do this or not? And at these points, they kind of feel like they are weeks. We have a, a saying at West Point where, you know, they're sleepless nights, you pull all-nighters because you're trying to get through finals or major projects. And you call it a thayer week because you don't know when you're going to eat next, you don't know when you're going to sleep next, and you don't really see an end in sight. And so I've had three of those in a row right now. Pulling an all-nighter when you're in your 20s is not as it's it's okay. You know, pulling an all nighter when you're the age I am now (laughs) with kids and other responsibilities, it makes it really hard. And so I get very emotional when I get tired and you have to know what those, what those signals are for you. So when I get very tired and emotional, I know I need to stop and take a beat. I don't need to make any decisions for the next 24 hours. And this is just an arbitrary rule I made for myself. Other entrepreneurs will figure it out on their own. But for me, every decision that I've made when I've been overly tired or overly emotional, I've had to end up fixing later down the road. So I realize now I just take a beat, don't make any decisions, nothing's going to end in 24 hours. So I pause, I do nothing, until I feel like I've gotten enough rest and my mind is clear so that I can actually look at the problem uh, from a broader perspective. That has helped me so much more than I can say uh, because now I'm not, like I said, fixing problems that I've created because I've made bad decisions because I wasn't in a, in a state to make a good decision. I really make my, my foodpreneurs really happy in that space. That's exactly what I tell them. If you're not the numbers person, then you need to find someone who is, and that person is gonna become a partner in your company uh, because otherwise you're gonna make some really questionable decisions uh, because you won't know what the end was gonna look like financially. Uh, you always have to know what the end will look like financially, uh, and not necessarily what the, what the cake is gonna look like or what the event's gonna look like because the financials will make and break your company every month your numbers got to show up and they've got to be they've got to be enough to get you get you through the next
2: month nancy this has been absolutely awesome thanks so much for coming on we really really appreciate it and uh, we'll be following along milk money kitchens if you're a food entrepreneur definitely check it out highly recommend it just go to milkmoneykitchens.com
0: thank you so much for having me and i just want to tell i just want to share with entrepreneurs that you may not know if you have what it takes start somewhere, just start something and see if it can build into something else. But you have to start somewhere. I think the reason why I really pushed myself to go in this direction was something in me that said, I would forever regret it. I would forever regret not ever knowing if I could do this or not. And so I think that was really the, the last piece of understanding of myself that I needed to push forward and actually go into this thing full time. It's much easier to have a job and have a boss that pays your salary and takes all the risk. It's way easier. And I still don't know how this is going to this is going to turn out, but I have a lot of confidence that we're going to blow this up and it's going to be amazing. And so if you too have that kind of confidence and you really have a path for success in your mind, then just just start it somewhere. A minimum viable product Start somewhere and just build it as you go and good luck.
2: I love it. Thanks so much, Nancy. Thank you. Thank you again to WeWork. Veterans in Residence is a partnership of WeWork and Bunker Labs. Veterans in Residence is a six month startup incubator and leadership program that provides veteran and military family members the community, business support, and a workspace to help launch and grow their businesses. To learn more about WeWork and the Veterans and Residents Program, visit we.co/veterans. That is w.e.co/veterans. Find your tribe, create your life's work. Learn more at we.co/veterans. This podcast was created by the team at Mission. If you want to hear more from Mission, be sure to check out mission.org. There's nothing small about your business. That's why Dell Small Business Technology Advisors are ready to give you trusted advice, one-on-one partnership, and tailored tech solutions like computers with Intel Core processors. Call 877 by dell to speak to an advisor today.